Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, listen. The other day, Natalie and I, we were talking, and we were talking particularly about her aunt who lives in New Mexico who's saved and walking with Jesus, but we were talking that that wasn't always the case. You see, before Jesus, right, before Jesus, it found her, before Jesus found her and surrendered her life to him, she was what you could call a party animal, okay? She lived for the weekend, that's all she wanted to do was party with family. She'd love to have the friends, right? It would then eventually, like most times, spill almost to every night of the week. It was party. I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. But started off as just weekends. But started off on just Friday nights. And then Saturday ended up being a Sunday night and a Monday night. And what are we doing Tuesday night? And eventually my Jesus found her, right? Jesus changed her life saved her from a life of, let's just say, meaningless party. But the one thing that struck me when talking to Natalie was something that she shared, right, that she has shared often. This is Natalie's aunt, and she shares this. And see, although she loves Jesus with all of her heart, and she has no intentions of ever going back to that lifestyle, something just kind of hit me. I was like, wow. You know what she said? She said, sometimes I really miss it. I really miss it. What? What? Now, now, now listen. What does she mean? Well, she didn't mean getting the drinking or getting drunk or plastered or, or, or crazy per se. But what she missed, and I started to think about this, what she missed, guys, was what was ingrained into her life at a very young age. She missed the people she missed the fellowship, if you will. She missed the music. She missed the dancing. Uh, she missed the high, if you will, the dopamine hits of the anticipation of waiting as the weekend approaches. Oh, who's going to be there? What's this? She missed that. And I thought, whoa, this is, this is crazy. Now, let's be honest, okay? If we're honest, many good church-going folks would rebuke her and try to convince her that she shouldn't miss any of that stuff. I can you believe that? I cannot. You shouldn't be thinking any of that. But there's a lot of that's going on. And so again, I was thinking, okay, okay, let me see if I can, uh, how, how, what could we do? Well, a lot of them would contend, if you will, that those things leave us, what? They leave us empty and lost. They do. But it really got me thinking that many who love Jesus, there's a lot of us who love Jesus, but there's a lot who still struggle with the things we did before we got saved. You're like, what? Yep, let me give you an example. Okay, let me give you an example. Music, right? Music. Many of us grew up with what we call secular music, okay? It was, it was music that wasn't saved, right? <laughs> you go, Ben, no, I just want to say if you're with me, okay? Because we call, it, we call it Christian music, but then it's secular music, and this one's not saved, but these ones are saved. But that's really not the case. It's music. But, but it, was, it was secular. We all grew up that way, right? We grew up that way. Now, again, like for me, I grew up with older brothers, and they loved listening to 70s music all the way through, okay? So 
from the time I hit five years old to, I mean, it was all 70s, right? So they listened to that. Then I grew right in as a teenager into the 80s, and that's all I listened to was 80 music until I got saved at 17. So from, from, from little and having older siblings, I'm listening to, you know, all of the 70s, right? All the disco era, all of that stuff into the 80s. And then I got saved. And then from about 17, I switched over to more of contemporary Christian music. But I got to be honest. Most of the 80s music shaped my life. Most of that music did. You see, for others, it might have not been 80s music. It might have been country. For others, it might have been rap, Motown, pop, bubblegum music, whatever it might be. But I remember, guys, getting saved. And I remember not listening. Now I had, now this is going to freak some of you out, okay? I had what we call albums. I don't know if you know what those are. Okay, albums, they were vinyl. They were this big, and you put a needle on them. And if your needle broke, you couldn't hear anything. That's albums. I had a bunch of albums. I had all kinds of albums, right? This was even before cassettes. I mean, then we we graduated to cassettes. But I remember having some albums, and I remember feeling so convicted with worldly music, with all the stuff that I had collected. I remember feeling convicted that this music wasn't Christian music. I felt the need to get rid of them. I couldn't bring myself, guys, to break any of them or to throw them out. I remember looking at him, and sisters over here looking at me like going, mm, I remember, yeah, you're with me, see? I know it. And, and so what I did is I gave them to an unsaved friend. <laughs> do, you, do you want these? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, I'm saved now. I'm Jesus, right? And, and so that's how it was. Let's, let's be honest. But let's chat for just a moment, guys. Let's chat. Today, I listen to all kinds of music. I listen to the 80s. I listen to some 90s. Okay, mostly 80s. I listen to worship music as well as contemporary Christian. Sometimes I listen to confession. I mean, to um, I was going to confess to country. Okay. Sometimes I do. Do, do, do I have any country fans in here? Real strict country fans? Yeah, okay. Just a couple. Joe? Joe? Did you? Geo is a... <laughs> See, cu- country music came after the fall. I just want you to know that, okay? Okay, I just lost everybody, and they just shut off the podcast right now. They're like, okay, that's it. He's right. No, 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 no. We li- There's a lot of music, guys, and sometimes, right, true confessions, I... I listen to country. Now, I have to be careful. You go, Pastor, where are you going with this? I have to be careful with what I listen to because here's, here's what I found. You see, music, now I want to say this, as well as other things. Everybody say other things. They want to take me back to a place where nostalgia has glorified something in my life that didn't glorify God. Let me say that again, okay? Because when I wrote it down, I was like, man, that's, that's from the Lord. That is from God right there. Here's why. Listen. Other things as well as music, they want to take me back to a place where nostalgia glorified something in my life that really didn't glorify God. And that's what music and these things want to do. Now, you might be wondering, Ben, 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 what does this have to do with our study tonight? I, I'd like to know. Well, I believe, guys, it illustrates the mindset that Lot and his wife are in as well as the entire family. You go, what do you mean? 
Well, listen, they have been living in Sodom for a long, long time. And judgment and destruction are coming, but getting Lot and his family out of Sodom will be no easy task. We're going to see that tonight. But even a harder task, and here's what I want you to see, a harder task is getting Sodom out of Lot. Whoa, whoa, wait, say that again. Oh, no, it's going to be hard for the two angels to say, guys, we got to go. Destruction's coming. It's going to be hard to get them out of Sodom, but a lot harder to get Sodom out of them. That's even a harder task. In our text today, guys, you're going to see, and if you're taking note, we will employ words like urged and hurry and lingered, as well as Mrs. Lot looks back. Very interesting. Very interesting. And, and I think with her looking back in, in these words, they may be indicative of a heart that is settled into a worldly lifestyle. You know, what do you mean? Well, okay. Before we jump into our text, okay, we can apply what is about to go down with Lot and his wife to our lives. You go, how so? Okay. You see, Sodom is a strong type of the world, okay? So you have Lot, you have his family. I don't know how many daughters who are married. I know he has two in the house, and he's got Mrs. Lot. Where is she? Well, she isn't in the house. She was out doing something because he's running to cook for the angels. What do you think he made? Angel food cake, don't you? Right? And, and so here's the thing. They're in, and, and again, think about this, guys. See, Sodom is a strong type of the world, and he's trying to get the world out of them, right? And, and it's the same for us. If we'll look at our world, let's be honest. There's bells, there's whistles, there's lights, there's beautiful things, and it's like, oh, how it beckons us to come back. How it beckons us to come back. And, and we must recognize that, that we are... We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of scripture that what the word of God says about the world, okay? First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this. This is Pete writing to us. Listen. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. Think about what he just said. He called us, guys, listen, he called us temporary residents. And if I could do anything to you, but I would beg you tonight, beg our hearts to realize that we're just passing through this world. This is not our home. And that we're just sojourners. That's what Paul, that's what Peter says. Guys, listen, you're just temporary, just passing through. Okay, don't get so caught up in all of that stuff. Be so careful. This is the word of God. Can I get an Amen. This is God's word. And he says, be careful to live properly among the unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will honor God when he judges the world. That's, that's the first thing. Okay, got to stay focused. First John chapter 2, 15 and 16, the beloved John writes this, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements, in our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Guys, don't love the world. 
Listen, it's going, hey, hey, look at this. Ooh, it's shiny and awesome. And oh, it's got, I've got so much to offer you. And the word of God says, no, no, don't love that. Because the love of the Father is not in you guys. Our hearts as believers, it should be pleasing the Father. It should be glorifying Him. And then in first, or I'm sorry, in Colossians, Paul writes, Colossians 3, 2 says, think about these things. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. So, we could spend a lot of time saying what the Word of God says about the world, but we can take some great application. Don't love the world. Don't spend time in Sodom. Don't hang out in Egypt. It's not worth it. And we're going to see why. We're going to see why. Now, at the end of our study tonight, guys, we're going to examine the cure for those struggles in life. I get it. To make sure we don't end up like Lot's daughters or his son-in-law or even like Lot's wife. Now, I need to give you a disclaimer. I don't want you leaving here going, well, Pastor Ben said I couldn't listen to music. Pastor Ben said I couldn't remember the good times that I had. Pastor Ben, didn't. that's not what I said. I said we have to be so careful because what the devil tries to do, what the world tries to do is lure you back to a place where you thought you had fun, where you thought it was amazing. It tries to lure you back in order to get its hooks in you. That's what it does. Guys, I don't have statistics. I'm shooting off the hip. But I can't tell you how many of my friends, my Christian friends, who got on Facebook found an old girlfriend they hadn't seen in years. And the next thing you know, they're leaving their wife and they're going with this girl. Oh, you don't understand. This was the love. I remember listening to our song. And you wait, 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 wait. You're married. You're here. You're a, you're a believer. You're a pastor. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what the world, that's what the world wants to do. Hey, remember? 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 It was fun. Yeah. No. I remember I left empty. And I would cry at night until Jesus found me. And he gave me meaning and purpose in my life. I remember that. I don't want to go back there. And that's what we're going to see. Now, remember where we left off two weeks ago, guys. In Genesis 19.1, it says, Now the two angels came from Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. He bowed himself down and his face toward the ground. Now, this is a very, this is power packed, right? Why, Why? Where do we find Lot? He's at the city gate. He's at the city gate. If you heed a warning in your life, it's Lot. What are you doing there? What are you doing there, Lot? What's going on? You see, what it means is he held a position of authority, a civic leader. And Lot has actually prospered in an ungodly city. And guys, we could do the same thing. But what we learned about Lot, I think we need to take to heart is that Lot compromised his walk. He compromised a lot of his walk. One of the main cures, guys, if you're taking note, to keep us from falling back into the world is this. Don't compromise your walk with Jesus. Don't compromise yet, guys. But it does happen. Remember, over time, notice Lot. Lot's, Lot's downward progressive walk. Do you guys remember his, his, his downward steps? What, it, what was the first one? He began to walk by sight, not by faith. 
all the way back in chapter 13. Number two, Lot made his own choices. He didn't ask anybody. He didn't ask people to pray. He wasn't looking for counsel. This is what I'm going to do. How many of us get caught up in that, making our own choices? Got to be so careful. How about number three? The next step he's going down is he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He wasn't in Sodom yet, but he said, oh, I'm going to put my tent right here. And so when I get up in the morning and I open the tent door, I see Sodom. I wonder what's going on in Sodom. That's like setting our heart in the world. That's like setting our heart in the world. And then where's the next step? The next step is not, he's no longer looking towards Sodom. He's in Sodom, right? He's sitting at the gate. He's in leadership. And then the next we see was moral decay. Moral decay. And then the next step is that he loses his testimony. How so? He goes running to his daughters and his son-in-laws and he says, please, the Lord is about to destroy the city. Please come. Let's get out of here. And they laugh at him. And they said they thought he was joking. <laughs> Good one, Dad. Right, the Lord. Who do, you've never told us about the Lord. Who is the Lord? Good one. We'll see you at dinner next week. Isn't our father-in-law crazy? Isn't he silly? <laughs> the Lord's going to... The Lord's going to... Right? Doesn't that ring true to us? The Lord's going to come back, sure. <laughs> when are you Christians going to stop saying that? The Lord's coming back soon. Might be this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we heard it in the 80s. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back. We're already 2000, almost 2020. No, 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 listen. Listen, that's how, the, that's how they saw Lot. God, he was joking. He lost his testimony. Well, we know the story. I want to read it to get a good run and grow, a good run and go. Look at um, verse one. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the gate, and when Lot saw him, he ran, he bowed down with his face to the ground, and he said, "Here now, my lords, please turn into your servants' house." You remember that was so important. Do you remember that? You go why? Because Abraham reminded us that he's living in a tent, waiting on the Lord. Abraham has a house, I mean, Lot has a house. He's pretty much fixed in Sodom. You go, what's the point? Let's not, make a, let's not put a house in the world. Let's not put a house in the world. Let's not put our tent pegs so deep. And so he says, they were in the house, come, come to the house, right? Spend the night and wash your feet. You rise early in the morning, go your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square Remember what Peter tells us, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. But he insisted strongly, verse 3, so they turned to him and entered his house, notice, and Lot made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Where was Mrs. Lot? We don't know. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and they said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them carnally. If you're taking note, you can just put down here. They wanted to have sex with them. So Lot went out and he went through the doorway and he shut the door behind him. And he said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, I have two daughters have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these 
men since the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Now, every time I read this, I want to punch Lot in the nose. Because I have two daughters, and I could not, I could not imagine saying, okay, y'all, you know, I, I just couldn't. But you understand, in this culture, that was the thing to do. And he says, go. And they said, stand back. They said, this one, he came to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal with you worse, right? We will deal worse with you than them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and he came near and broke, and they, they tried to break down the door. But the men reached their hands out and pulled Lot into the house and he shut the door and they struck the men who were at the doorway with a house with blindness, both small and great. And they became weary trying to find the door. Can I just say this, guys? Jot this down somewhere. Sin will blind you even before anything else. Sin blinds us. These guys are physically blind. And they're scraping, trying to find the door. And their hearts were blinded way before this even happened. And the men said to Lot, verse 12, Have you anyone else here, son-in-laws, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out, out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-laws, guess what? He seemed to be joking, and that's where we left off. So now let's continue. Church, before we do, can I just set the scene for just a moment? Let us remember, guys, that after a wicked night in Sodom, you need to understand, right? All the men of the city pounding at the door, being struck by blindness, still, I mean, this this is nuts. This is crazy. It hit me. The people of the city go back to everyday normal life. I mean, it didn't even it didn't even affect them, right? It probably didn't make the news. Oh, there was an uproar in the city over here. You know, we have breaking news. There was an uproar. Men trying to, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, think about this. The men of the city, and it said all the. I mean, all the men of the city. Now they're blind. Was it permanent? I don't know. The word of God doesn't say, but I mean, this should be breaking news. This should be big. I mean, literally, literally, right? It didn't, I mean, nobody, nobody posted about it on Facebook. Nobody posted on, hey, this is what's going on, right? And you go, again, think about it. They all went back to normal life. No warning, no real threat, but here's what I want you to see. This is how judgment happens. Listen to me. Suddenly, without any real warning. This is how judgment happens. Guys, listen. You and I, we love Jesus. And we're going to be doing our thing. We're going to get up tomorrow. We're going to go to work. We're going to just do our thing. But you're going to hear that trumpet. And that trumpet is going to be so beautiful that you're going to hear it within your spirit. And you're going to be out of here. Judgment. People are just going to be doing their same thing. Nobody's going to be on the news tonight going, hey, listen up. Guys, Jesus is coming back. You need to be ready. We're going to just be 
And that's how, how it is. I was like, whoa, I, nobody, there wasn't any real warning. Jesus, our Jesus referred to Lot to illustrate how God will interrupt normal human affairs, guys, at the return of Jesus. Listen to this. Listen, Luke 17, Luke 17, 28 and 29, it says, Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. There's a couple of things that go to my mind, guys, that, I mean, living in this day and age and knowing that we're going to be raptured soon. Well, pastor, how do you know? Nobody knows the day or the hour. Listen, if Jesus comes back in 20 years, that's soon. But I'm telling you, he's going to come back way soon. It wasn't until Lot was out of the city. It was, think about it. This is what Jesus said. He said, but on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, he says, then it rained. Then it rained. Okay. So Jesus illustrates that. Now, let's see what happens, okay? Here's the morning. Look at verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters, who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. So after this crazy night, it's morning. It's morning. And 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 so it's early morning, and here's what I get, here's what I don't understand. The angels are in a hurry to get Lot's family out of out of Sodom, and the Bible say they urge. They urge. Okay, if you have a pencil handy, it means to earnestly or persistently or to persuade someone to do something. That's what it means. Urge. Hey, hey, we, let's go. Come on, right, right. Dads, we know dads who have kids. We know what that means when we're trying to get people out the door to a family vacation or family ball game. Come on, kids, let's go. Come on, come. We got to go. Hey. So my family always comes to me and they say, okay, so what time do we need to leave? And I always say about 30 minutes before we actually want to get out the door. Got to urge, urge. That's what they're doing. They're saying, come on, come on, let's go. Let's urge them, right? And it says this, now listen. It says, now note, right? When the morning dawned, the angels urged, and here's what they said, hurry. They're telling Lot and his wife and his daughter, hurry. And it means to do something quickly. What did they want him to do? They said, take your wife, your two daughters, and get out so that you will not lose your life when the city is destroyed. I mean, that's pretty urgent, is it not? Hey, get out. Let's go. This thing's going down. Let's go. Come on. And they're like, now, again, what would you do? Let's go. Let's go. Here's what Lot does. Check it out, guys. Here's what Lot does. Verse 16. And while he lingered. What? What? What does lingered mean? It means to stay in a place longer than necessary because of reluctance to leave. Check this out. Lot decides he's going to look at photo albums. Well, I'll be right with you. Hold on. Do you remember this? You remember here when we first, when we first got this out? Isn't this cute? Guys, we got to go. Hold on. I'm not done with my coffee yet. I mean, think about this. Why he lingered? Why would he linger? Why would you stay there? You're about to, it's about to be destroyed, dude. 
Well, hold on. Now, I linger a lot of places, usually vacation when I don't want to come home. <laughs> I'll linger at the hotel. Did, did we get everything? Boy, I wish I could stay. I mean, in our family, it's just one of those things when we get to a nice hotel and it's really nice, we always go, we should stay one more night. And we never do. But we should. We always want to. And we linger. But this is not, this is not vacation. This is destruction. This is destruction. And it says, and while he lingered. Now, you guys think, why would he linger? What would cause somebody to linger in that place? Listen to me, because his heart was there. He's got family there. The men, the angels, took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Here's what they're doing. They're going, okay, okay, come on. And he takes them by the hand, look, and, he, and, he, and he's pulling them, right? You too, you got to go. That's what he's doing. And I'm just like, wow, what, Lot, bro, seriously. Guys, the fact that Lot lingered shows, it shows us that his heart was in Sodom. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave his house. Do you remember when the angels came? He said, just, just come into the house real quick and, and we'll wash your feet and then you can get going early in the morning. Just go. I, I, like, I like things. See, here's the problem, guys. And, 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 and we talked about this on, on, on Sunday. One of the things that distracts us as Christians is we get distracted. But I'll tell you what one thing is that distracts us. It's comfort. Being comfortable being comfortable. And, and we're not called to be comfortable in our walks with God. We're called to keep moving forward. We're not called to put it on cruise control. And, and, and that's what he's saying. And, and again, what's happening is Lot got really comfortable. And there's too many comfortable Christians that, that God wants to just get a hold of because he's so much glory for his kingdom. There's too many people sitting in the pews these days and they're going, man, everything's good. I'm, I'm comfortable. And God says, no, no, no. I have so much more for you. It's not time to be comfortable. It's not time to be comfortable. It's time to, to get up and walk. It's time to go. We got, we got things to do. Uh, listen, you can jot this down in your Bible. Let, can, can we be honest? The struggle is real for them. Law and his wife, the struggle is real. It's not. I mean, think about it. If two angels came in my house, first of all, I'm doing whatever you say. I know your angels. I'm bowing down. Mm -hmm. We got to go. We're out of here. Leave the stuff. Who cares? But they're but they're late, guys. <laughs> but it also shows us, guys, a compromised heart in his walk with God. Think about it, guys. Judgment is coming, and they're lollygagging. They're lollygagging. Honey, have you seen my socks? If we're going to leave, I'd like to take those socks that I... Oh, huh. Well, sweetie, would you like me to make you breakfast? Guys, we got to go. Well, hold on. I'm talking to Mr. Lot here. Would you like breakfast? I mean, right? Girls, get up. Get up, girls. It's time. I mean, I'm just like, why are you lollygagging? Judgment is coming. And they're packing. 
and you're looking in the mirror, you're not sure what you should take. I love, I love Lot, guys. And the reason I love Lot is, let me give you another reason I think he lingered. He has family in that city. And he tried to warn his family yesterday, and based upon his lifestyle and his behavior, they thought he was joking about the coming judgment. I can, I can, I can, I can relate. I can relate. We all have family in here that are not walking with God as close as we want them. We all have family in here that are not walking with God. And if God came in here today, he walked in this church, and he looked at it, and he says, hey, guys, tomorrow we're going home, okay? As soon as you guys are out of Lubbock, we would linger too if we had family, dear family, that wasn't saved. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. And so, and, and, and so what that should do, guys, it should put a fire under us, guys, to live our lives with earnest expectation that Jesus could come back at any time. And it also, it also lights a fire under us to say, listen, listen, we need, to, we need to live our life, right? We need to live our life so that our behavior reflects what we really believe. And so when we go out and we tell, hey, listen, Jesus is coming, people are going, yeah, <laughs> way to go, Ben, sure. But they know what we believe, and our hearts are just, yes, yes. I'll never forget this as long as I live, guys, waiting and, and, and walking with earnest expectation. But I'll never forget when Talia was four years old. We went over to Grandma's house, and Talia had this giant red purse. It looked giant to me, but it was so giant for her. She had this giant red, was it red? She had a giant red purse, and she'd walk in. She was so cute. She walked in, and, and she'd walk around, and she told everybody, are you packed? Are you packed? And they're like, what, what do you mean? She had learned that Jesus was coming back. He was going to take us, and we need to be packed and ready to go. And she had, and in her, I don't even, I, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this because she's sitting right here, but I know that she had uh, a big red purse, and I don't even know what you had in it. A, a, a Minnie Mouse mirror and a tambourine. And, and her grandma and grandpa were like, see, she was evangelizing. But she was packed. She told people, are you packed? Are you, pa- are you ready to go? And she carried this big red purse. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Guys, the principle is true. Let me ask you, are you ready to go? If Jesus came back tonight, you go, Ben, you're preaching to the choir, man. It's Wednesday night. These people love Jesus. And I say, amen. But I want to live my life so that, so that everybody goes. Right? Because there's, there's one thing better than going to heaven. One thing, right? What's the thing? Taking somebody with you. How about taking a bunch with us? That's the best thing. That's the best thing. God, give us just a heart for you. Well, in verse 16, guys, the angels grabbed the hands and they dragged them out of the city. Right? They took hold of his hand. Look at verse 17. So they came to pass when they brought them outside. He said, escape for your life. Do not look behind. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. 
Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. What did the angels just tell him, guys? Right? The, the, the city was huge, right? I'm going to paint a picture of Sodom. Sodom at this point was huge, and it had a big wall around it, okay? So everyone had a wall normally to, to fight off enemies. So they finally get out of the city, right? They just get out, and, and the angels give them instructions. What's the first thing? Escape for your lives. Okay, you got to get out of here. Don't just get outside the city. I'm going to stay right here. He says, mm-mm. That's the first thing. We got, we got to go. We got to flee. He says, what's the second thing, guys? It says, don't look back. Don't look behind. Third thing, don't stay anywhere in the plane. Let me give you instructions. You ready? He says, go to the mountains. Go to the mountains. Now, in your Bibles, right next to this, this is a command. He's not saying, he's not asking, hey, listen, <laughs> if, you, if you feel like it, you know, he says, listen, go to the mountains, okay? I'm going to say it again. What's the command? He's telling them to go to the mountains. Is that hard to understand? Go to the mountains. Go to the mountains. Simple enough. Get going, Right? If you, don't follow these, if you don't follow these instructions, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be destroyed. I think about it, guys. We talked about it last night in discipleship. In life, we're given so many instructions, aren't we? Did you know that shampoo has instructions? You realize that? The, the, your shampoo maker goes to great lengths to tell you how to apply shampoo. You know what the instructions is? Don't put it on dry hair. Wow, didn't know that. And then it tells you, and how many of you do this? It tells you to rinse and then repeat. Anybody rinse and repeat in here? You don't read the instructions on shampoos. There's, listen, it, it's so funny, but hair dryers, right? You mean hair dryers? They have instructions too. Guess what it says? Don't use in water. Check that out. That's a, probably a good one to read, right? Don't use and water. I mean, think about that. We're given instructions. We're given instructions every time we fly. Okay? You can't just go to the airport and I want to get on that plane. I'm going to sit wherever. You go, no, you're going to sit here. Right? What are the instructions? Put on your seatbelt. You tell me, listen, listen, be honest, right? This little seatbelt is not going to save me at 30,000 feet. It's just not. But we know that if there's a drop, that can save you from, anyway. There's a lot of instructions. But what I find interesting is when it comes to the Word of God, this is His instructions to us, and these are guidelines and ground rules, and there's so many people who says, nah, I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to follow this ancient, outdated book. Nah. Nah. And so Lot, is he going to follow the instructions? Notice his feeble prayer, guys, in verse 18. He says, then Lot said to them, please, no, my lords. Get out of the city. You're going to get destroyed. No. (laughs) Can we talk? I wonder, and again, this is my opinion, so I'm going to step to the side of the pulpit. Here's my opinion. I wonder if Lot at this point is presuming on God's grace. 
God's going to save him. He already said he's going to save him. Lot is considered righteous. Peter says he's a righteous man, justified man. But he's, he's been told, guys, escape for your life. Get out of here. Don't stay in the plane. Go to the mountains. No, my lords. And, and I wonder if we do that at times. I know I do. If I can be honest with you, there are times when I presume upon God's grace. Because we learned this, when it comes to sin, we know that sin is missing the mark. You guys know that it's harmatia, missing the mark completely. We all sin, fall short of God's glory. But then there's the other one, it's trespass, a transgression. It's when we, when we just happen to step over and we're, trans- oh, I didn't know this was wrong. I'm sorry. This. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I've trespassed against you. I've, I've sinned. And then there's the third one, it's called iniquity. Iniquity is where you go, oh, here's the line. I know it's wrong. I, I enjoy it. I'm going to step in and do it anyway. That's iniquity. And, I, and when, I, when I commit iniquity, when I know it's wrong and I still do it, I wonder if I'm presuming upon God's grace. Well, the grace of God is always there for me. And I, I, Lot's kind of doing that. It's kind of showing us through the text. Again, my opinion. Here's his feeble prayer. Check it out, verse 19. He says, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, right? And have increased in your mercy that you've shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city which you have spoken. Now, what's the name? Lot wants to, want, Lot wants to stay real close by. He wants to go to a place called Zoar. Zoar means little or insignificant. And guess where it's located? On the plain. It's right there. And here's what the angels say, verse 22. You guys see it? Hurry, hurry, Lot, escape, for I cannot do anything until you arrive. Therefore, the name of the city is called Zoar. Now, we definitely need to chat for just a moment. There's a principle throughout Scripture that God has made a definite difference between His people and the world. It's throughout Scripture. And we see it here in our text, that God makes a difference between Lot and the people of Sodom. You go, okay, explain that, right? Well, first and foremost, we find it throughout the Word of God. We find this principle all the way that God is making a difference, okay? And, and it's so important. Let me give you an example. First and foremost, you know this, Noah and the flood, okay? He warned the people, but at the end of the day, only eight were saved. Eight were saved. And the term lifted up was, it was a term being saved from judgment, okay? So God made a definite distinction between Noah and his family and the rest of the world. You go, okay, jot this down. In Joshua chapter 10, we see large hailstones fell on selected the Ammonites. Okay, God is doing this, right? The Ammonites are running and God is taking hailstones and he's just... And none of the Israelites get hurt. Not one of them gets killed. 
And I always find that, <laughs> I always find Joshua chapter 10 comical because if you're an Ammonite and you're running and you're trying to dodge because hailstorm, I mean, it's like, boom, okay, done, right? There's no way you can run. Even, I don't know, even if you were, right, we, do, do we not say this, right? Where we go, man, may the Lord, I mean, he's, you'd be hanging on to an Israelite, right? And God would still smack you with a hailstorm, right? I mean, that's what he did, right? But he made a definite distinction between the Ammonites and Israel, and you can look this up for reference. Ezekiel chapter 9, we see the destruction of Jerusalem. Let me give you another one. Revelation chapter 7. God puts a mark on the 144,000 during the Great Tribulation. So he always makes a distinction. You go, Ben, what's the principle? The rapture of the church is following the same character will of the same pattern. That is one of the main reasons Calvary Chapel Lubbock is a pre-trib rapture. We believe right here. A lot of people go, no, whoa, 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 wait, 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 why? Here's why. Because at Calvary Chapel, we believe that we're going to be taken up. We're going to be raptured before the tribulation, before the seven years. And the reason why is the principle throughout Scripture. God always takes out his people before. And you go, okay, but there's some. there's a Scripture verse that says, um, let me see if I got that right. There's a scripture verse that says there's going to be tribulation in the world. But what we need to understand is there is a big difference that from tribulation that comes from the world and the devil as its source. We get that? There's a big difference between the great tribulation that will come from the hand of God. That's what we're talking about. Do you guys see that? Because people go, wow, the great, and it's like, no, 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 listen, 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 this is where we believe. Now, here's the thing I want you to see, okay? Here's, we have three camps, three camps, pre-trib, we're going to be raptured, that's my hope, that's my hope. There's people who go, no, we're mid-trib, okay, we're going to go through the first three years of the tribulation. Anybody here of mid-trib? Okay, middle of the tribulation, they're mid-tribbers. Then you have people that will say post-trib, the church is going to go through the whole tribulation period. And then we'll be raptured at the end. Now, let me just say this, okay? First and foremost, first and foremost, you can have an argument for every single one of those. You can have a biblical argument. I told you where we believe. We believe pre-trib revelation. It says, let the church, right? Let, let those who let the church hear. And then it says, after that, it says, come up here. John says, come up here. I mean, we, we, I don't have time to get into that because we're running out of time as it is. But the one thing I want to say is that is a non-essential to fellowship. You, you're with me. If you have somebody who goes, I think we're going to stay through the whole thing, you can love them as a brother, and it's okay because it's not an essential. It's not a doctrinal essential. It's just we believe differently. But too many people divide over what, when we think we're going to go home. I think we're going to go home before the rapture. I mean, before the tribulation. I think that's the next best thing. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. That's the principle. Well, so Lot, guys, Lot's remaining family, right, is saved out of Sodom. You guys with me? He's out. Now note what happens, verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. 
Well, real quick, when was he, where was he supposed to go? To the mountains. He was supposed to go to the mountains, right? That's what God said, but he's in Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. And he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city that grew on the ground. Guess what? This was God's judgment on both cities, both Sodom and Gomorrah. Notice, on every one and everything was destroyed. And if you go there today, well, I'll need to give you two schools of thought. Most popular, they believe on the southern tip of the Dead Sea, which, okay, here's why it's popular. They believe that Sodom is under the Dead Sea because they believe the Dead Sea was, was, has, has been rising. But when we were in Israel, they told us that the Dead Sea is not rising. It's actually shrinking. But most people believe Sodom and Gomorrah is under the southern end of the, of the Dead Sea. Most popular view, okay, just that's a school of thought. Second school of thought is it's the southern tip at the end, right? If you YouTube it, that there's basically nothing there but dry desert and sulfur deposits. They said this is where Sodom was. It's just, it's just nothing. But they also say that there's a pillar that said that they call Lot's wife. You can, you can YouTube that and go, okay. We know it's not there. Well, why would they call it Lot's wife? Well, let's look at verse 26. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Isn't that a sad verse? Here's why. Next week, it's going to get worse. The moral decay that these two young daughters grew up in is going to manifest in incest in the, in the home. With the birth of Moab and the birth of Amnon. But this is a sad verse because, because she looked back. And I think we can agree that, that the struggle is real. See, Mrs. Lot disobeyed the word of the Lord and she looked back. Now, church, we can discuss many reasons why she looked back. Right? Most people believe her heart was in Sodom. Okay? She looked back. She, she missed her life. She missed her social life. Her country club. J. Vernon McGee says she missed her country club, her friends, her peace, her joy. And she missed all that the world had to offer. And as she's leaving out, she's thinking, I don't want to go. She turns around and But I also like to think that I also like to think is, is that Mrs. Lot had the heart of a mama. And the heart of the mama came out. I think she turns with a longing heart for her kids that are being destroyed. You guys can make up your own mind on why why Lot's wife turned around. Whatever the reason, she was destroyed through compromise and disobedience. And, and, And I want you to think about this for a moment, guys. Let's just say that she has the heart of a mama, okay? 
Let's just say that. And, and she looks back and she's thinking, but what she didn't realize is that now she's disobedient to the word of God. Now she's destroyed and she's not able to help raise her other two daughters. It's just like, ah. Oh. Church, how we have to be so careful. So careful that we don't we don't compromise our walk with God. Okay, I want to close. I want to close, guys. I want to, I want to close with the cure for our struggles because I think the struggle is real. I think, I think there's a lot of people who get saved and they struggle with, with going back, man, and, they, and they, hear, they hear a song or they, man. You go, what's that, Ben? Here, here's a cure. You guys ready? Don't compromise your walk with God. Don't compromise. Listen to me. Your walk with Jesus is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's something that's just going to be a long, it's just every day, every day, every day in the same direction. Every day. Guys, listen to me. The world is crazy good looking and shiny, but it leads to destruction and it leads to hurt and it leads to pain. Don't compromise. Pastor, what do I do? Make sure you have, man, you, you, make sure your tribe, your group, whatever you want to call it, man, your friends are encouraging you, your family's encouraging you. Make sure you have that. What's the second thing? You ready? Jot this down. The second cure for our struggle is just to obey the word of God. Obey the word of God. Because obedience is key when it comes to Christianity. I would encourage all of us to take a moment to do a spiritual inventory. Ask the Lord to show us where we're not obeying his word. Where are we, God? Number three, be honest with God. Be honest. Share your struggles with Him. Ask for His help to move you forward. Be true to yourself. Be true. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? All those good times you thought you had, Look a little bit deeper. They were not so good. Our brain has an interesting way of taking something that wasn't so good and just picking out the really good things. You know, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't, he wasn't so bad. She wasn't that bad. I mean, and, and then you, if you really look deeper, you go, man, I was miserable with that girl. Are you kidding me? That person was, but our brain has an interesting thing of going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune out all the bad, all the, all the way you used to feel, and I'm just going to, do you remember, the, remember, yeah, you remember that song was playing when we were, yeah, I remember, that was so much, no, because if you're honest, you remember that right after that, you got in a big fight, and you just, uh, whatever it might be. 
whatever it might be. So, maybe tonight we take a look at Lot's life and Mrs. Lot and all those things. We just give it to the Lord tonight. We say, Lord, just take that. Just take that. Because listen, listen, it's not about the music you're listening to. It's not about the memories. It's about what the enemy wants to do in pulling you back into a place that really didn't glorify God at all. And we have to just make sure our hearts don't go back as they may go forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we just learned so much from... Lord, just even the underlying theme, Lord, that you're going to rescue us, Lord, bring us hope. Lord, as we worship you, Lord, we, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work. Do a work in my life. Thank you, God, for Lot. Thank you, Lord, that you show us Thank you, God, for this Wednesday night group, Lord, who love you so much. Thank you, Lord. So tonight, Lord, we love you. We we love you. We love you. And as we worship you, Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.